It is time to turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Do you want to showcase all that work you've been doing? Do you want to sell all those products you've been making? They have beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything so you can easily make a beautiful website by yourself. But if you do get stuck, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support that is there to help you out. So head to squarespace.com grace for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code grace to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Not, not too deep. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helvig. Get ready for a very fun episode. We have Tara Strong on this week's episode. And you might not know this, but she is the voice of your childhood. She is an amazing, amazing voiceover actor. I'm talking Timmy Turner, Fairly Odd Parents, Raven, Teen Titans, Bubbles, Powerpuff Girls. You know this woman's voice. She is everywhere. And she's in My Little Pony, Pony Life, which is back on Discovery Family. Ugh, she's playing Twilight Sparkle, and you are just going to love it. We talk about everything, uh, the tips and tricks for getting into the voiceover world and sustaining your voice. We talk about what it's like having two young teenage boys that she's raising, uh, what her experience moving from Canada to Los Angeles was like, and how wonderful the brony community is. If you didn't already know, get ready to learn how sweet and loving they are. This is a wonderful episode. I enjoyed talking to Tara so much, so I hope you enjoy listening. Enjoy Not Too Deep with Tara Strong. Tara, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course, the first question I absolutely have to ask you is um, to please enlighten us about the the puppy and your life with the pink ears and the pink tail. Do you love her? I love her. (laughs) Who is she? How did she get such an iconic look going for herself? She really gets a lot of attention. So that's Latka. And my my cleaning lady, eight years ago, her dog, she let her dog go to her friend's house for a babysitting weekend, came back pregnant. There were five girls. So I took one and all my friends took the other. So we have little parties with them, uh, with the five sisters. And I don't know what she is. She's half poodle half something and then She's we got a, a bernese mountain dog who is the most beautiful dog you've ever seen so uh, i figured laka had to compete in the pretty <laughs> department so yeah. we went pink and it's really funny we go to the groomer and in la um we're at pet euphoria and they're amazing and uh, every time she gets it redone she like struts in the house like she's so she knows stoked. she knows and she uh, loves she loves it so much so cute. i love it as someone that is so overdue to get my roots done it's very inspiring you know to what? see I, a woman i just did mine yesterday and i would not were i not filming a tv show right now like nice. i i went all covid not getting my roots done and i kind of yeah. liked it it was like brown to here mm-hmm. and then it looked like a balayage but I, I i didn't i am a human that did not do hair or nails until i had to for a show. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my grooming. Any sense of like hygiene or grooming I have is solely based on the fact that it, I, I have to represent myself on some sort of set or some sort of project. <laughs> right. Otherwise, why bother? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I know. And, and anything other than sweatpants and jammies? Uh, I mean, you know this uh, routine of wardrobe, I'm sure, because the work in which you are most known for, basically the voice of our generation growing <laughs> up, uh, 
you must get to uh, express yourself in a comfort sense in your fashion in that world. Yeah, usually it really doesn't matter what you look like or what you're wearing. But I will say like the day you come from a workout and look like crap, they're like, oh, we forgot to tell you Access Hollywood's shooting behind the scenes today. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, great. Thanks for that. Well, they're getting uh, some real access to yeah. me right now. I mean, for the most part, we, we get to go in pretty comfy. And certainly during COVID, um, any of the voiceover yeah. stuff I've had, I'm in this home studio where I am right now. And it's been such a blessing to have the voiceover world because yeah. it's the only leg of the business that didn't miss a beat. Although news outlets and podcasts too, anything where you didn't have to be, it's amazing how quickly that part of the industry evolved. You know, yeah. we're all engineers, we're all lighting people, we're all makeup people. We're <laughs> all adapting in yeah. the best way possible. Yeah. I know. And we're all excusing and forgiving each other for yeah. everything that we're trying to handle. Yeah. Well, I, let, let me talk to you about the beginning of this. How did you start out in the world of voiceover? Was this something that happened accidentally? Was this something that you were interested in? How did I it mean, begin? It was, it was kind of accidental. Like I knew when I was four or five years old that I wanted to be a singer, dancer, actress. I liked animation. I did funny voices and accents. I didn't mm -hmm. know it was a career. Right. I grew up in Toronto and my agent, um, who I, who I got when I was 13, who is still my same agent today. Wow. Um, yeah. Sent me out for the voice of Hello Kitty. And that was my first animated show that same year. I booked an on-camera show with Mr. T and a theater <laughs> production. So the nice That's thing about... That's a Mad Lib sentence that you just yeah. filled in right there. That's wild. <laughs> it's so true. Show with Mr. T. Um, uh -huh. No, but really the rest is history. And Toronto and Toronto and Vancouver, you know, Canada is such a great place to get a resume for um, experience in the entertainment industry because they really got it down. And Toronto backs as many, um, you know, cities in the United States. So there's always stuff going on here. And mm -hmm. I had a very consistent career before I moved to Los Angeles and, um, in LA booking my, uh, booking a Powerpuff Girls, Batgirl, um, at the same time sort of put me on the map there, but I had already had over 20 animated series to my name before I moved there. So, wow. and so much of animation is experience, you know, when yeah. you're in the studio a lot, um, the really legendary voice actors have had many years under their belt. And so much of that gives you confidence and, um, inspires every day, every day I'm inspired by something that my cohorts can do. That's so cool. Cause I imagine that the voiceover world, like the entertainment industry can get kind of small at times like you must kind of all know or hear of each oh, other in animation certain ways. and yeah animation in particular is a very very small world i know really? i mean if if someone says oh i have a friend in animation give me their name yeah. <laughs> we all know everybody in the business it's and with that said it's hard to break in so i right i understand that new talent can be discouraged but there's always room for upcoming new super talented people i always tell people not to enter that arena until you're really ready hmm. um, because it is such a hard world to break into yeah, it's I mean, it's one of those worlds that I think from the outside can get really overlooked at how actually difficult and complex it is, especially when you're doing so many different voices and you're giving a completely different character and mm -hmm. tone and quality behind every single voice. What were the things or like the major things that kind of surprised you when you first got into it about like, do you do the Celine Dion, keep your voice quiet for 24 hours before you do a performance? Were there things that like little tips or tricks here and there that you picked up when you first got into it? Not really. Like, um, when oh, that's kind of nice to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, when I first started, you know, I'm 13, so I'm excited to get a gig. Right. 
Um, I've never been a human that smoked or enjoys screaming at large venues. So <laughs> you have to take care of your voice. It's the muscle. And I take singing lessons still today. Um, mm. I always recommend for people to take acting lessons, singing lessons, improv study so that you're really ready um, when you get your opportunity. And um, in terms of preparation, I would say like, if I have to sing on a show, mm -hmm. I'll warm up with a vocal exercise that I've taped from a, a singing lesson. Um, if we get the scripts in advance, it's good to read them specifically to know the stage directions, because if the line is, whoa, it's going to be different if you're falling off a cliff or you're seeing a cute guy, right? Sure. So you have to know what's going on because in voiceover, as opposed to on camera, there is no evidence of what you're acting to in front of you. So you mm. have to bring that out with your voice. Um, so the prep is also, if you're replacing a voice, if you're doing a celebrity impression, if there's an accent, you don't know. Yeah. Um, but on the day-to-day, -day, I don't do much in terms of, um, you know, little tricks or things. I do like to have a bunch of different kinds of drinks with me. Like I like to have like a latte, a water mm. and a soda. Like, yeah. Stuff. It's like a, a regular brunch, basically yeah. Yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, is there, so you started basically like you're 13 and then you're, you're working in the world, uh, more and more and you moved to Los Angeles. Did you find yourself being typecast in the voice world? Or... Yeah, I think that happens a lot. I think more in El in Los Angeles than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I think there is a strange thing that happens in LA where they say, oh, that's the soap actor. That's the commercial actor. That's the voice actor. Yeah. That's the stage actor. They do it to writers. That's the com comedy writer. That's mm -hmm. the soap writer, right? And the truth is if people work a lot, they work a lot because they're talented and versatile. So it's right. a mistake, I think, that Hollywood makes. And sometimes people are surprised that a voiceover person is doing well and on camera or that some A-list celebrity can do good voiceover. Mm. It's really a talent that you either have or you don't. It's like asking a tap dancer if they do ballet and not everybody does. Right. Um, it's a different skill set. So you you may very well be great at at some and not the others. You can be a singer and not a dancer. So it's it's not right to pigeonhole you. At the same time, of course, I'm so grateful sure. that that side of the industry embraced me because, you know, friends of mine that only do on camera go through pretty hard times, especially once reality TV took off, there was yeah. less and less jobs for on camera talent, unless you were an A-list celebrity, you have A-list celebrities doing TV that never, that's where they would never do TV. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have animation voiceover, I would be much worse off, you know, financially. Yeah. And also it's super fun. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I mean, much fun, so. you get to play in yeah. the most authentic way for a living. That must be such a treat, such a yeah. joy. It uh, is. So, okay. What, what was the first major, major gig that you got that was like, holy shit, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm going to really have to like step up to this. Uh, well, I knew Hello Kitty from the start was a big deal to play a title role in a series at 13. You know, I, I was off to the races with a good start. Yeah. And then, you know, Beetlejuice, Care Bears, very well-known things that they taped in Toronto. Then my first couple years in LA, I was pretty broke trying to get established there, like eviction notice broke. Wow. Um, and then my very first job was given to me by a woman named Marsha Goodman. And I was literally debating if I should come back to Toronto. I was I just, you know, desperate for money, didn't know what I was going to do. And then she called me at home and said, Hey, do you want to be my Heather? We're doing this show called Gadget Boy and Heather. So she saved me twice, really. Wow. And that afforded me enough time to stay there. And then I'd say booking Batgirl 
Powerpuff Girls and mm-hmm. there was a series called 101 Dalmatians wherein there was a hundred guaranteed episodes, which never happens. Wow. And all of those three were booked at the same time. And I think that made that side of Hollywood go, Ooh, who's this girl? Um, and Batgirl, of course, sitting alongside Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, <laughs> like I would pinch myself every single day. And I knew then that was something pretty big and special and still is that show really holds up. Yeah. Um, and then after that, like all the stuff I booked was such incredible, iconic roles that really shaped, like you say, many childhoods. And I'm so grateful for those opportunities. Like not many people can say they played Batgirl and Harley and Raven Mm -hmm. and Bubbles and Timmy and Rugrats and all these like iconic characters that really help to mold um, people's lives. And it's touching. And actually that's one part of the business I really need is going to Comic-Cons and and shaking hands and hugging the fans that are grateful for those moments. Yeah, that, I'm curious about those interactions, the con experiences, especially for a voiceover person, because I'm sure, uh, obviously, fans and super fans know who you are because they're huge fans. But for the people that don't maybe know what you look like physically, have you had people recognize you by your voice? before? I mostly get recognized for my face because these are fans that Google and look up their Mm -hmm. favorite voice actors. And since my speaking voice isn't so unusual, Mm -hmm. um, I don't really get, um, recognized just for voice. Like some, some, sometimes people go, Oh, you have a funny voice or I hear something (laughs) in your voice, but typically it's because they've already looked online and comic cons in particular are a place where everybody knows the voice actors, the voice actors are lined up around the block. And Uh sometimes the on camera celebrities like, who is that person? (laughs) Why are they lined up? And you know, it's a very, um, rewarding, experience. And I suspect that my predecessors didn't know how beloved they were because they didn't have internet. Right. Um, but meeting people at cons that are crying or were going through devastating times and, you know, my little pony got them through something or Raven got them through their parents' divorce or, you know, feeling suicidal, like all kinds of yeah. crazy stuff that comes up that, that having an, a character to identify with helped people through struggles and going to cons and meeting these people it's so rewarding. And yeah. like, I, I, I mean, maybe I mean, I'll write a book one day about all that. <laughs> please, uh, people, I think, are hungry to read something like that, especially because you, you can think of the animated world, cartoon world as sort of like this frivolous thing, but it has true impact for people. And it has like of profound, course. relatable qualities for people, especially right. because these, these major shows that you've been on, these run, you know, five, 10, 15 years long. So you raise, you basically help raise these children into no, adulthood. The, the, the thing I mostly get at cons is thank you for my childhood. People say that all the time. <laughs> Which is just a very, you know, casual message to send yeah. to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> the So when you get things like Bubbles and you get things like Timmy, do you, these things that are these longstanding iconic characters, when you initially get like the um, description of the show or the character, do you try to find like a personal connection to the character? Or does that kind of blossom over time as you're, as you're developing the character for yourself? Well, I think it's true that the first season of any show compared to the second, third, fourth are changing, growing, evolving. Mm -hmm. When you first have an audition for an animated character, they'll give you a drawing of the character, a character description, sometimes a show Bible and something called sides, which is a portion of the script for you to audition with. Mm -hmm. And then you as the actor have to try to think what production would want that to sound like. And of course, throw your own spin on it, be creative, um, be unafraid to be creative. Um, And then 
after the initial audition, there are hopefully callbacks and at the callback stage, that's when it becomes a more collaborative process where they can direct you and often change their mind and say, well, now we want them to be a little older, younger, chubbier, mm. braces from England. Now they want her to be a boy. And you mm. kind of have to be ready to be their putty without being, you know, um, yeah. nervous. You have to be ready to jump in, which is why I always tell people to take improv classes because character mm. development is so important. Um, and then with that said, it evolves, it changes as characters grow, as relationships and characters grow. At the same time, many animated characters remain the same age <laughs> throughout right. years and years. So um, it's kind of, um, it's an interesting dichotomy where you you have these characters that are so grounded in who they are, but then they have these life experiences and grow. And My Little Pony is certainly something that you can attribute her growth and her learning about what it means to be a leader, what it mm -hmm. means to um, have all these friends that encourage each other that have all their roles in their little society and how they help each other and how they're there for each other and empathy and, um, inclusion, like over mm. the years, Twilight has become, you know, a teacher, a force. Um, so for sure, the writing, um, lets you know where the story's going and how your right. character grows and changes. That's I, okay. I want to get into the the My Little Pony Pony Life. We're going to take a quick break because um, I have a lot of questions about bronies, obviously, um, that have impacted that world. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, so let's talk about My Little Pony Pony Life. Uh, this premieres, the show, uh, well, this episode will have gone up after the show premiered on November 7th on Discovery Family. Can you tell us a little bit about this for people that might not know anything about it? Well, I know a lot of fans are pretty disappointed when Friendship is Magic ended. I was too. Mm -hmm. um, so we're super excited to revisit these characters. It is all the original voice actors from Friendship is Magic. It's cool. all the original characters that people know and love, except that they've been completely redesigned and somehow are even cuter than before. Um, oh, that's what the world needs right now, though. I know some pony magic and friendship uh -huh. magic and empathy. Um, yeah, it's beautiful and it's really colorful, really fun. It's faster paced. There are only 11 minute episodes. Oh, wow. um, the content is a little bit sillier and lighter, kind of how Titans went to go. And um, it's still a tremendous amount of fun and it still has the essence and the heart of the original show. So I think fans of Friendship is Magic will still get a kick out of this one. Oh, that's so exciting. And there's something... I think in the the animated world that it just has this beautiful sense of nostalgia that mm -hmm. people really want and, and need at times. And there's a, a big safety in that, I think, for people. So this couldn't be coming at a better time for everyone. Agreed. Let's talk about the Brony community. Now, this is something that hit the internet like back in the 2010s. And I, I don't know that I understand it fully. I'm curious what your take on this community is. Well, I also first learned about them online yeah. and I immediately felt a connection to them because I'm someone that spent much of my childhood and also professional career fighting against bullying. And the idea that people would be ridiculed for liking a show because it's four girls was so absurd. Mm -hmm. And actually this version of My Little Pony was dreamt up by Lauren Faust, who worked on the Powerpuff Girls, which is another show that transcended gender and age. And um, she wanted to create characters and storylines with more depth and 
um, more sort of beauty to look at other than just selling toys. Mm -hmm. And the storylines and the characters spoke to people all over the world, all ages, all genders, didn't matter who you love, the color of your skin, where you lived, who you worshipped. And the thing that I loved about that was the inclusion mm. and the idea that it didn't matter how old you were or where you from, where you were from, but they came together to love a show and they're there for each other like no other fandom I've ever oh. seen. And they come together, they give the most to charity. They are the sweetest um, fandom. It's a diverse fandom. It's all ages. Oh. Um, I meet them at cons and there's you know, these extraordinary army bronies that paint Pinkie Pie on their tanks to get them through hard times and <laughs> sing pony songs and have tattoos of the ponies on wow. them. And they don't care that people are looking at them and judging them. And they're very helpful to younger generation who do feel bullied and do feel scared. And they let them know, like, it gets better. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there'd be, you know, bullying surrounding liking a show that encourages friendship um, empathy, understanding, social awareness is so absurd anyway. So the Bronies are my people and I, I love them dearly and I would defend them to the death. So, Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it warms my heart because that is the truth that there is in animation, there is such an ability to, um, sort of interweave such profound and beautiful messages uh, that not other like live action shows can really do the way that animation can do that right. make it timeless that like you said fully like encourages inclusion and really creates a beautiful warm and welcoming community uh it's very cool it's one of the the cooler things i think that the internet has uh, spawned for mm -hmm. the world in general absolutely now i want to know you have two you have children you have two sons uh-huh now, at what point did they start realizing that their mom was one of the most influential people on the planet? <laughs> I don't know about if they've been, if they've <laughs> thought that. Um, but you know, my kids grew up at Nickelodeon Cartoon Network at Studios. Oh, that must was, have been a dream. It was a dream, and it was almost challenging for them to go to school mm. because when they got to school, they're like, "Where's?" Kevin Michael Richardson and Chris <laughs> Summer and E.G. Daly, where's all these kick-ass voiceover people? And why yeah. is why isn't it as colorful as Nickelodeon? And my son tells me that he he remembered thinking, like, why don't these other kids miss Nickelodeon? And um, <laughs> you know, they came to me to, with the studios all the time and they got to see throughout their childhood um how much fun it was like when the first pony series came out and i'd come to visit my son's school to help out at hot lunch or volunteer all the kids would be like oh, what's happening with twilight like give us some spoilers and he was like oh, oh my god you know embarrassed but they <laughs> love it and you know they come with me often to cons and like at comic-con they get to see like at comic-con i'm j-lo right yeah <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh god, it's tara strong it's tara strong and my kid looked up at me and he's like mom how does that feel and i said well how does that feel to you and he's like pretty good pretty good oh that's so, so sweet I yeah they're a... pretty supportive and they love finding me on things that i'm not regularly on like really? family guy or rick and morty or video games that you know they're they weren't sure that i was on they like to sort of find me in different things like that oh that must be so fun now you guys have opened up uh, a school voice stars together well, I did that many, many years ago. Truthfully, okay. it has to be completely revamped because nobody has CDs anymore. And um, and the world is dramatically different now. Yeah, I think I'll do another one virtually, sort of like a masterclass type feel where you could download cool. classes and blah, 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 because everybody really wants to know how to break into voiceover and it's not easy. And so many um, companies are very willing to take money from hopefuls and 
offer any real advice. I hate these companies that say you have to, you know, join our site and pay to audition. Like no one in my world got here because we paid to audition. It's such a scam. Mm. And it really irks me that people take advantage of hopefuls in that way. So, um, I, I like to revisit that again soon. Yeah. I think that's great because there is, you know, there's all this misinformation that gets thrown around in, you know, traditional Hollywood, but the, the voiceover world, there's, it's not as prevalent there. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure people are much more susceptible to being scammed in some way. Right. Um, do your sons have an interest in the entertainment world? Well, they both are super talented and funny. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they want to do it for careers, but they're both very gifted. My older son's an extraordinary musician. Um, He actually just wrote the theme song for my new podcast, which is The Ship It Show. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, Greg Sipes and I explore all things love in fandom. It's really fun. We let the the fans vote each week on which ship we should explore. Oh, that's that's Um, on Rooster Teeth, right? Yeah, it's on Rooster Teeth. Yeah, And we're having a lot of fun with that. And my younger one um, and I have worked together on camera a couple times. um, (gasps) And they've both done some voiceover stuff here and there. So it's not like um, they have to be like mom and it's like a passion, but they're both yeah. good at it and could if they really pursued it. That's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a character that is the most similar to you in real life? I'd say probably Bubbles because mm. she's super sweet um, and wants everybody to be happy, but she could also kick some ass when she has to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. She, she can be pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, and that's like me. I'm a human that will put up with a lot and, and be accepting and hope people will change for the best. And then when I'm done with you, I'm <laughs> done with you. you'll give them the opportunity to change yes. themselves first. And mm-hmm. if that doesn't work, then you have to step then, in a little bit. Bye-bye. <laughs> Then I get hardcore. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Now, I have a question about what's the difference, if there is any, in doing voiceover for video games, which you've done, versus like a TV or a film project? The biggest difference between animated series and video games is how you record them. In animation series, we typically all tape together, which is really nice to play off the other actors because a lot of acting is listening. So you're going to respond to someone differently if an actor goes, it's time to go. You might go, okay. You know, I'm giving it to you that way. Um, Video games, because there's so many cues, thousands and thousands of cues, you tape alone. So it can actually be Mm. more vocally taxing to have to be in a booth for four hours by yourself often Mm. screaming death sounds. Um, (laughs) In terms of the acting, it comes from the same place and there's no difference. It's really just in the mechanics of how they record them. Hmm. Okay. Now let's talk about Tara, the human being. What do you do when you're not working? (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm always working. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Wonderful. That is one of the true treats of being in the voiceover world while we're in a pandemic. It really is. Um, I also really, really love being a mom. Um, and I'm very hands-on and I like to have dinner and play chess and pool and hang out with my kids. I'm crazy for animals. So I love to play with animals and if it wasn't a pandemic, I'd be like at every rescue place right now playing with animals. Um, I, um, I love being social. I love having friends over. I love to work out. Um, a nice balance. Yeah. I like going on hikes. I like, um, you know, being involved politically is something I started once Trump was 
considering running and I didn't I didn't really have interest in politics until it enraged me which yeah, in some I ways mean, same yeah. with same with me yeah yeah and it's too bad because obviously there's so many important things that we all are missing and yeah. maybe that's why this all happened so people would wake up and stand up and take notice especially for people that are suffering um because they're not, you know, a white America, a white American, you know, citizen. Mm-hmm. And so many things need to change and have been wrong for so long that any way that I can help by bolstering Democratic candidates and mm-hmm. um, things that are right, like there should not be children in cages there. Yeah. You, you know, there should not be police brutality against black people. There should not be like the homeless. I mean, there's so many things to fight for that sometimes it gets overwhelming and you're like, how, how can I help everyone? Yeah. Um, and I think the answer is helping a little is, is helping. And so I try to do that too. And it's obviously so stressful right now. So thank God for ponies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's uh, one, it's, it's wild because you, um, you have dual citizenship, right? In yes. the U S and in Canada. Uh-huh. So not only have you experienced what's going on in America by being in America, you've also experienced it from the outside looking in as well, which is fascinating to me. Um, uh-huh. And and I'm like, how have you not run back to Canada if you have the option by now? Well, actually, I, I am in Canada right now. I'm doing, oh, a TV good. Show. Yeah, I'm doing a TV show here and I really want to stay yeah. um, because it is much more sane here. And it was disappointing to see true America. It was disappointing to see it today, to see how close this election is. And I think prior to Trump, much of the racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny was sort of hidden. Um, And then seeing how emboldened they became with his rhetoric, I was pretty surprised and am daily. I I can't tell you how many stupid anti-Semitic things I get thrown at me. Really? Or, um, you know, of course, I, I I just like, don't get me started. Like it's really disappointing. It's wild too, because I'm I'm with you. I'm it's, it's still taking some time for me to process how shocked uh, I am by a lot of it. And the unfortunate thing I think is like the internet is a blessing and a curse and has really divided us in a lot of ways when it does have the ability to unite us. Um, which is wild. And I guess like the the saving grace about that is that working in these animated series that do bolster uh, inclusion and, and love and friendships and things like that, at least you can take solace in knowing that the work you're producing will have a positive impact in some way and hopefully deeper than you can even imagine for people. But yeah, it is, um, it's a, it's a wild time for everyone mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you aren't, watching the news as we all are constantly in between every waking moment of everything else we're doing. What do you watch on TV or movies or anything like that? I'm not really a a big TV person. It's, it's been during COVID like at the Mm. end of a workday that I sit down and and start binge watching and I've caught up a lot during COVID. I, I I never watched stranger things. So I watched all of stranger things, which I loved. I watched the umbrella Academy, which was a a lot Mm. of fun. I watched nurse ratchet. I watched the queen's gambit, which was great. Oh, I haven't gotten to that yet. I, I mean, of course, tiger King, when that first came out, (laughs) And that was at the beginning of all of this, which blows oh my, my mind. I, I've watched so much Netflix. I, 
<laughs> and you know, it, it's good. It's thank goodness we have this content to keep us going and um, mm-hmm. engaged. I, I can't imagine how they dealt with pandemics a hundred years ago where you couldn't go turn on your computer and talk to someone, you know, even this is such a blessing to be able to connect in some way with humans. I miss touching people, hugging people. Like we don't have that. So at least we can communicate. Thank God for the internet and zoom right now, even though there's a lot of ugly parts of the internet, I have to believe that the good outweighs the bad. Mm -hmm. And hopefully after this craziness is over, we can try to come together as a country and in kindness and empathy and listening to each other. That would be a real blessing. I also champion second ditto support that Mm -hmm. 200%. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about dream roles. Is there a type of character that you haven't played yet that you would love to play or a, um, a genre that you haven't worked in yet that you'd love to work in? I have to say like animation wise, all my dreams have come true. Like I really wanted to be the little mermaid. So getting to sing with Jodie Benson in the sequel and play her daughter, like I could have died the next day. Um, And all the very strong female superhero characters I've got to play and grow with have been fascinating and rewarding. Mm. Um, I'm doing something on camera right now. That's really fun. So that that's happening. Probably I'd love to go do a Broadway show when all this is over. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. You haven't Um, done that yet. No, I, I've done theater in Toronto and locally in LA, but never on Broadway. And I think that would be really fun. That makes so much sense. And <laughs> I think everyone is very much looking forward to that potentially happening. Um, okay, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, I have a bunch of questions from Instagram. They're so good. Everyone loves you and has so much uh, as they're, they're curious about a lot. So okay. we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. No, no, not too deep. With Grace Heidbeck. Okay, Tara, before we get into these questions from the internet, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. And the first is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? (laughs) Throw cold spaghetti at? Yeah, it's a very hard-hitting question. Alive or dead, who would I like to throw cold spaghetti at? I think I'd like to throw cold spaghetti at Trump's head. That would be pretty fun. That makes the most sense. A hundred percent too violent, but it's fitting Mm. and it sends a message. Mm. Okay. The other question I ask every (laughs) single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or a bathroom close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. Wow. I did not expect that question. (laughs) And it can be like, a bathroom situation, a, a peeing your pants situation. It can be from elementary school, whatever memory might just pop up. I definitely don't have a shitting myself one. So that's good, I guess. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I had a close call. Let's say close call driving. Let's say that. Close call driving. Okay. Close call driving. Yeah, I like think, I had like a stomach flu that like hit me driving. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? But I made uh, it. It was good it for you. Yeah, I have a friend that didn't make it when I shared that story. It was gross, but I made it. <laughs> that's good. I know. That's when you become the MacGyver in your own car that you're like, what looks like a bucket? What is a container? <laughs> okay, let's get into these questions from Instagram. Like I said, we have a lot of really lovely questions here. Let's see. What do we want to start with? Um... 
Okay. What we kind of hit on this, but what kind of vocal warm up does she do? A lot of people were curious about just like, what's your process when you get into character? Yeah. So I, I, that's why I encourage singing lessons because you record Mm -hmm. your singing lessons and then you have, um, a warm up on hand on your phone. So if I have to sing for something, I don't always warm up, but if I have to sing for something, I'll warm up using my singing lessons, vocal warm up. Gotcha. Uh, someone to know, have you ever thought about playing D and D curious to how you would build a, uh, build and voice a player? (laughs) You know, I've never gotten into it, but I've never played it. So I'm not ruling it out. It might be something I would enjoy, but I've never tried. Um, okay. So it's I still might be time. fun to play with. But... <laughs> yeah. If this pandemic continues, it might be a, a good kind of socially distant hobby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Someone to know, which show did you not expect to be so big? For sure, My Little Pony. For really? sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, usually I'm working on a show and I'm like, oh, this is going to be big. Like I knew Teen Titans was going to be big. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been some that surprised me. Like I thought Symbionic Titan was going to be a big hit. Mm. Um, but surprise in terms of reach and international success, love, support, for sure, My Little Pony. No wow. idea. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Then it's going to be a very, very warm welcome for the new series. It's so I exciting. So. Hey, yeah. uh, someone to know, are there foods that she can't eat before work because of her voice? Well, I'm vegan. Um, so that helps a lot because dairy is terrible for you and for your mm. voice. And I see people struggling sometimes if they have dairy and mucus and it's just really gross. If you are curious about it at all, watch a video called Dairy is Scary and you'll know what's in it and why you shouldn't be consuming it. Um, And when I was little, I was a big animal lover. I never wanted to eat meat or or byproducts. There wasn't a lot of choices, but now there are. There's Mm. not really an excuse for eating cruelty. Um, And the meat and dairy industry are so cruel. People don't want to be vegan because they don't really want to look at it. But if you really look at it, it's pretty terrible. And so there's all kinds of great cheeses that are made from nuts now that are so good. Mm -hmm. So good. And like, I love oat milk coffee drinks. Oh my gosh. It's like drinking cake. Yeah. Um, So I, I'd say, um, separate of no dairy things that might crumble in your throat aren't smart, like a cookie. Oh, Um, and then sometimes when you're recording a show, you might want to eat on on the show. Like sometimes it's a like character takes a bite of an apple, take a bite of an apple or mm. a chip or something that's going to make a loud crunch. You know, you can make the noise um, with your voice, but it's also sometimes kind of fun to actually chew something. Yeah. But while you're recording, if it's not, you know, stated that you're eating, you're mostly not eating. So I'd say just make sure that you've had something in your belly or else you do get a loud tummy and that's not great either. I've had lots of takes like ruined because your tummy's like making noises and the mics are so sensitive they pick up tummy noises. So. Wow, I've never thought about that possibility. Yeah, yeah so that don't, makes total don't starve sense. yourself and don't drink cow's milk. <laughs> Got it, good to know. I think those that regardless of whether you are a voiceover actor or not, yes. it's just good life exactly. advice. Exactly. Uh, someone's know what was your favorite cartoon voice or character growing up? If you had one, I loved cartoons growing up. I loved the Flintstones. I loved mm. the Jetsons. I loved the Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably my top. There was a show here called wait till your father gets home, which I really loved when I was a kid. <laughs> and there was like a Rubik's cube show. Whoa. I think it was called Rubik or something. That sounds great. Yeah. But probably <laughs> Jetsons and Flintstones were like my go-tos. Love that. 
Uh, someone wants to know, how does she manage her time doing so many voices? Well, um, managing my schedule is pretty challenging, I have to say. It sounds like there's a lot on your plate. <laughs> there's a lot all the time. And often in the entertainment industry, there's last minute things. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly moving stuff around. Thank God I have extremely gifted agent, my agent, Natanya Rose at DPN, who handles my animation. Then I have Juliet Green, who manages me across the board. Then I have Butler Rustin Bell in Toronto that does my Canadian stuff. Then I have my bestie Roxy that manages, that helps assist me. And I have my friend Adam that assists me. I have all these people, like I have a good village, but in truth, not missing anything is, is challenging. And I'm a pretty conscientious human. So I I like to be present for all things I've (laughs) committed to. And sometimes that's hard. It's really hard to do life things. Like you often have to change a hair appointment or a doctor's appointment. Um, You know, there was one time I was supposed to fly out to do a con and I got the opportunity to work in the new Star Wars movie like the day before I flew with Mark Hamill like you know on a dubbing stage and I'm like yeah I I gotta do that so I had to move stuff around like sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to be flexible to move stuff around yeah it seems like um there's a certain level of being comfortable with uncertainty at times, being comfortable with flexibility at yeah, times. And, and, you know, sometimes you get frustrated, but I also know like maybe like I'd miss that level of busy. Yeah. Like I think I, I am a human that sort of thrives when I have a million things to do. Mm-hmm. And when I don't and there's a slum, I'm like, oh, I better go do something. I'm someone that <laughs> likes to be busy. You know, I worked with um, Stan Lee before he passed. He was in his wow. 90s and he came in to do some Spider-Man. And I'm like, what is your secret? And he said, do what you love and never retire and wow. get paid to do what you love. And that's that's true. Like if you're doing what you love, <laughs> that's the best gift ever. Yeah. You're never really working. At that point, Uh, someone wants to know, how was it doing more adult themed cartoons like Princess Clara and Drawn Together? Well, as a human who spends most of her time doing things for children, it's super liberating and fun to get in a studio and say swear words. Um, (laughs) So I'm not going to lie. That was some fun times. I would love to do more Drawn Together. I mean, I remember my mother-in-law was visiting me once and we went, I took her to a couple of recordings and first was Rugrats. And then we went to Drawn Together. And I'm like, just so you know, this isn't Rugrats. (laughs) This is going to be a little different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Someone's curious, what are your tips for a Canadian moving to Los Angeles? Hmm. That's tricky. Um, you know, I took off when I was 20 and I knew two people and, um, it's scary. I think the tip is to stay grounded, um, to try to connect with people, um, that are doing well or have already settled. So you're not ending up in a bad area or listening to bad advice. There's a lot of Canadians in Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. there's sort of this network that help each other out. Um, and not to get discouraged with that said, if it's not working out, don't be afraid to come home because there's so much work in Canada. It's like such a blessing. Ah. Um, so as long as you're working and, you know, maybe it's not in the cards for you to get some big American series, but maybe you'll work on something in Canada that's really soul fulfilling and you get to work on it for years and years and maybe win some Canadian awards and <laughs> hang out with authentic people. So it's not the <laughs> worst thing in the world if you go and it doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, or if Los you Angeles. go and it, and it works out and you still want to come back. Um, 
like there's no real rules, you know, because so mm-hmm. much of this business is timing. You could have the most talented, the most beautiful, the most gifted performer never get a shot. Yeah. Um, and then you have someone that's mediocre, but gets lucky in this kick-ass part. So I don't know, so much of it is luck and timing. And I guess just not to give up and and keep going for your dreams wherever they may fall. That's beautiful because it is a lot of persistence. And I think Los Angeles will always be here that Mm -hmm. if you need to leave, you can come back if you need to. And it's going to probably be exactly as you left it. (laughs) It doesn't seem like much change. I actually think, you know, coming home now, there's even more work here. So yeah. Um, and so much of the stuff is seen in the United States. And sometimes it's better for on-camera work here because, like I said, in L.A., A-listers are willing to do television. Mm. And so it leaves not a lot of room for other people to do episodic work. Whereas here, um, there's so many more opportunities and way less A-list celebrities sort of taking roles away from people that might be better suited for a part. Totally. And something people probably don't think about. Right. Um, Okay, last question for you. Why do you think some of the most famous and well-known boy cartoons are voiced by women? Well, the main answer is because boy voices change. So you Mm. can't have like a little boy in a season of a show that takes off and the next season they have a completely different voice, which is of course what happened in Chowder, which is one of my favorite shows that I ever did. Mm. I think they made a mistake on that show. I think they should have got, you know, 10 seasons in the can before that kid's voice changed because he was so cute. So consistently they pick women that are um, good at authentic boy voices because the voices don't change. Mm. Also, um, you know, for studios, they don't have to hire a set tutor if there's um, not a child on set. Mm. Um, And um, also, you know, voice actors get paid a scale rate for up to three different characters. So it makes sense for them to hire someone versatile. If someone can do a little boy and a store owner and a cute girl, like they're going to pick someone that can manipulate their voice and play a bunch of different roles. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Has it been, have there been any, I guess, most interesting parts of playing someone like Timmy? Um, Because I imagine, but I don't know that there's a mostly male following to that character. Or well, is that pretty odd even parents, spread? Fairly Odd Parents is one of those shows that really also crossed the board. Girls, boys, everybody loved that show. Mm-hmm. I think more for me, people were surprised when they found out I was Ben 10. That's really a boy, mm. boy-centric boy show. Um, or Terrence on Foster's Home. They're like, that was you? Which <laughs> is a huge um, compliment when a voice actor says, I didn't know that was you. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, it happens. Sometimes we were like, Ben 10's a girl and she's a mom. (laughs) That happens more than than for fairly ad parents. That's for sure. That's very fun. Uh, Tara, we've reached the end of the episode, but before you go, um, we like to give our guests a little parting gift for making time for us. And that is a a digital fortune cookie from us to you that is personalized that I believe Melissa might have emailed to you. It says, it is important to have your voice heard, like literally, literally your voice. Like we really, really like it. Yeah. It's what the world needs right now. <laughs> it is so, go. so very true. Uh, Tara, thank you for spending time with us today. And Thanks where, for having me. where can people watch Pony Life? Where can they see everything that you're up to and follow you if they don't already know? Pony Life is Discovery Family and you can watch it streaming on the Discovery Family Go app. 
Um, you can follow me on all my social media platforms. I'm at Tara Strong. And of course, check out my new podcast with Greg Sipes at The Shippet Show. And it's on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. I love it. Thank you so much, guys. Go check out everything that she's up to. It's really good stuff. And we'll see you next time on another Thanks, episode guys. of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>